Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. You know, sharing what people are doing out in the community to make a difference in the lives of others and then sharing how others can participate in that process is a win-win for everyone involved, community and individual. You know, there are so many wonderful nonprofit organizations in our community. There's over 54,000 in our state, actually, to give to in some way, uh, either time or resources. How do you know which one to pick? Well, our goal is to help you identify options for how to get involved with an organization that matches who and what you're passionate about. Maybe it's the elderly or veterans, or maybe it's a particular social issue or a challenge like poverty or homelessness. Whatever it is that interests you, we've probably interviewed options for you to consider. If you're passionate about children, specifically those that have some very special needs, then our show today, as well as many that we've interviewed in the past, might spark your interest. My first guest today is Jason Perry, VP of Development and Communications at Penfield Children's Center. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you, Jill. It's great to be here. Now, so many people say after they've heard a show uh, that they've never heard about the organization. They didn't even know that it existed, and that's actually why we do this show. Uh, We want to give the community an opportunity to hear from some great nonprofits that perhaps nobody has even heard of before, and then we learn about what they're doing. So... I'm going to be very frank here and admit that I've never heard of Penfield Children's Center before. Unfortunately, Stephanie, your marketing manager, reached out to me to ask to be a guest, and so here we are. So kudos to Stephanie. So tell us then, who and what is Penfield Children's Center, and how did they come about? Absolutely, yeah. Well, thank you for the opportunity to share the story because it's one that we like to uh, to be able to talk about. Uh, Penfield has been around for over 50 years now. Like most non five zero five or zero. One five. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we started wow. in nineteen sixty seven. Okay. Like most nonprofits, we started in a church basement. Uh, okay. And it was initially it was a Montessori school that focused on children from ages three to six. Children that had a developmental delay or disability. And the focus was how do we get these kids on track to enter school on track with their peers. Um, as public policy started to shift in the early 1970s, Penfield's focus shifted as well, and it shifted to where we've been now for, for many, many years. We primarily serve children from birth to age three. In a given year, we'll serve a, approximately 1,500 children, and very generally, uh, it's in three different areas. It's education, health and wellness, and families programming and support. Um, We've got some time today, so uh, maybe we can drill down a little bit more to what those areas are. So, yeah. So, but how did you come to Penfield's Children's Center then? Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I was uh, doing development work at Marquette University, right down the street, and um, I got a call one afternoon from uh, uh, an individual that had been retained by Penfield to find someone to step into the vice president development and communications role. And um, I wasn't necessarily anticipating to initiate a job search that day, but that's exactly (laughs) what happened. Oftentimes, that's how things happen. That's how it happens. Well, and I think the interesting story and one that I like to tell is that I still remember the day I had my first interview. It uh, It was September 20th. 
2012. Now, I remember that day for many reasons. For one, it was my mother's birthday, which, yes, let me get ahead of that question. (laughs) I did call mom before I went to the interview. Um, But I also remember, Jill, that I went into the interview that day, and it was probably about, you know, maybe an hour, hour and a half before I went in, and I got a call from a a dear friend of mine. And um, he and his wife had been trying to add to their family for a number of years. And um, quite candidly, had had some challenges getting pregnant, um, a couple of miscarriages along the way. And um, fortunately, uh, they had a little one who was on the way, and he called to say that she had arrived. Oh, yay. Um, They had a plan, which uh, most parents out there can attest to this. They had their plan, and then they had the reality. And they were a little bit different. Okay. um, Where they were planning a birth at home and having it being all natural. Um, His wife uh, immediately went to 10 centimeters. Uh, The baby turned out to be breech, and an emergency C-section needed to happen. So all that aside, you know, I've been prompted enough to know, ask some of the right questions. And as my friend was going through this story and talking about it, um, I had a chance to ask, it's like, well, how's your wife doing? It's like, well, it's not, well, it's been a harried last 24 hours, but Mm. she's doing okay. I said, how's your baby doing? And he paused for a moment and said, we think she has Down syndrome. And, you know, there's a test you can take beforehand, but, you know, they weren't interested in that because that doesn't happen to you. That happens to somebody else. Right, and yeah. it was a reality that they hadn't anticipated. This friend of mine who is a librarian, his wife who's a social worker. So I, I have kid, you know, independently wealthy that they are. And he paused for a second and said, I just don't know what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and he knew what he was going to do. And it's exactly what he was done. He has done is he's loved that baby with all his heart. And right. his wife has as well. But this was a reality that they did not anticipate 48 hours prior to that call. So I'm going into my interview with Penfield and uh, I get asked a, a fairly you know, innocuous question by our president and CEO, Christine Holmes. It said, uh, Jason, tell me what you know about Penfield. And it was at that point that I went off script. I said, you know what? I said, I've, I've been on your website. I've read your annual report. I understand your relationship with a lot of uh, ex- truly generous corporations like Kohl's, Northwestern Mutual. But I got you guys an hour ago. And I found myself going into this story about my friend and his wife and their baby. And as I'm getting into this, and, and even now, you know, seven years after the fact, I still find myself getting a little emotional about it where... Mm-hmm. I remember him saying, you know, I don't know what we were going to do. But in that moment, I said, you know what? It's because of a place like Penfield that my friend has options, that his little girl has options, that a place like Penfield that can come in and start to serve a child like this at six months old and really work with that family to empower them to be able to advocate for for that child, to be able to, you know... um, Uh, make sure that he, or in this case, she is receiving the services that she needs. And what those were, were uh, therapy, which we provide at Penfield, nursing care, which we also provide at Penfield, and family support is understanding that, you know what, there are certain things that uh, you're going to have to do that are going to be a little bit different than maybe some of uh, your friends who are also parents as well. You know what, the fascinating thing, and I I left this part out of the story, is my friend didn't know I was interviewing at Penfield. He didn't know it was happening that day. Okay. And he didn't know that I was at Penfield after he'd enrolled his daughter there. Oh, wow. For him, it was, you know, this this place does exceptional work. It's where she needs to be right now. Yeah. And they've since moved. They've moved out of the state into Minnesota for uh, some opportunities professionally for both of them. But they still talk fondly about the staff they worked with and the care their little girl got. Mm. And it, now, do they provide, does Penfield provide 
uh, services to the caregivers because we talk in previous shows about how important it is to care for the caregiver. So does Penfield offer care services for the parents at all? You know, it's a, there's a number of things that we do and it's, um, you know, we'll talk about the kids we serve until we're blue in the face, all 1500 of them, you know what, but where, how that really works is the partnership we have with parents is, you know, making sure that we're, we're answering the questions they have today and those that they're going to have in the future, that we're connecting them with resources, um, that, for many of them, partnerships we've had for most of our 50 years of serving families in Milwaukee County. Um, it's been, it's, it's the beauty of being in a city like Milwaukee where we're all two, maybe three degrees separated mm-hmm. is where Penfield has over 75 different agencies that we work very, very closely with. I think one of them, actually, you're going to talk to later this uh, today yes. here in Wisconsin, which Absolutely. has been a, a longtime partnership partner of ours and, um, you know, really doing some amazing work as well. Well, and we've also talked about how important it is uh, that nonprofits work together in a collaborative and strategic partnership way. You know, it's so important for a number of reasons. So stay tuned to hear about a key partnership Penfield has that uh, over and above the Here Wisconsin that we'll talk about later that has helped increase awareness, exposure, and support services for the children that they serve. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Jason Perry from the Penfield Children's Center. Uh, we said before how important collaboration and partnerships are. Uh, it's, it's so important, uh, oftentimes, to uh, build awareness, exposure, support, you know, all those key things. Um, tell us about a successful partnership that you've had that has done exactly that. Boy, just one? Okay, well, that's, <laughs> that's going to be the hard part. But uh, you know what? There's one that... Um, I think it really speaks to a tremendous community academic partnership, and that's the work that we've been doing with Marquette University, uh, specifically the College of Education over there, uh, Dean Bill Hank and his team. Um, This partnership originated in 2003. It was actually um, one of the previous faculty members who's since retired from the university. His name is Dr. Robert Fox. He came to um, our prior president and CEO, a gentleman named Jim Ryan, who unfortunately has since passed, and said, you know, I'd like to start some parenting classes here at, at Penfield. And um, in, in Bob's words, uh, not mine, uh, it was a colossal failure. Um, oh, dear. <laughs> and, uh, okay. I think we learned a lot there early <laughs> on. Um, you know, and I failing think, Forward. Have you ever heard that? Failing thing? Forward. That, that uh, book by uh, John Maxwell? Good yeah, book. Unfortunately, yeah. we've lived it. <laughs> yeah. You try different things. You figure out what works, what doesn't. But, yeah. Well, in this situation, what we realized pretty quickly was that um, we were asking families to come to us. That was one of our key challenges is because we realized with the folks that we were able to serve that transportation is a major barrier to service. So we we shifted the model that way, but we also learned that um, in offering parenting classes, a lot of times our parents are saying, well, well, I'm not the problem. I mean, it's, it's, it's this little one down here who's mm-hmm. really the issue. So, you know, we re- repackaged that a little bit. And, and what it has become is called the behavior clinic. Um, at the okay. behavior clinic, we do, we do three things. Uh, one of them is direct service. Uh, as I mentioned, we are entirely home-based. We will provide direct service to over 400 kids every year. And, you know, I say behavior clinic, and it's very easy to think, oh, it's just kids that are behaving poorly, that maybe they're acting out, 
throwing temper tantrums, whatever the case might be. And that's a part of it. But what we're realizing more and more is it's exactly what, uh, Jill, you and I are reading about in the news right now. It's the impact of trauma. And I think we're going to get into that more in a little bit here. But um, it's it's stuff that you and I shouldn't see, nonetheless, a two-, three-, or four-year-old child. Mm-hmm. And what our staff is doing is working directly with that child and, and those adults that are important in their life. If it's mom, dad, it might be a grandma, grandpa, it might be another family member that's just really taking an interest. So we're working directly with those kids every year, putting together an individual plan that helps them get to where they're at to ideally to start to um, not show those symptoms of exposure to trauma. So that's one piece of it. Second piece is training. Um, This is a a growing field. Uh, We are one of the few organizations in the country right now that is providing behavioral health services for children from birth to age six. A lot of organizations will start around age eight, and we believe at Penfield throughout the organization that early intervention, and what that means for us is birth to those, you know, three, four, five, six years old. Those formative years. Absolutely. That if we can get to those kids at that point, we can help to remediate a lot of the challenges they're working through and get them to a point where they are meeting, if not exceeding those age appropriate milestones that we all want our kids to hit. So the training piece for us is anytime one of our licensed family counselors is traveling into a home to visit with a family, a counselor in training is right there alongside them. Uh, To be licensed in this work, you need 3,000 supervised hours. So we are essentially training that next generation of folks that, to do what we believe is this absolutely critical work. Third piece, and it's really a testament to our partnership with Marquette University, is the research component. As I mentioned, we are one of the few organizations that are providing behavioral health services for those children at the very youngest of ages. Our folks have contributed to um, they've contributed journals to nationally refereed article, to national refereed publications. They have presented at conferences around the country. They've offered chapters to books. There's training that we do throughout Milwaukee County and really throughout the country is that we, there's not a pride in ownership here. We'd Mm -hmm. like to share what we've learned with a much larger audience. And the really exciting thing for us and for our staff is that people are taking notice. I Uh, bet. It was in 2015 that we received, um, you know, a major pat on our back. It was a national accreditation through an organization called SAMHSA. Now, I'm not going to expect your listeners to know what that is, so I'm going (laughs) to say it real quick. It is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration. Okay. It's uh, essentially what it says is the work you're doing here can be done anywhere in the country. It is a model that's been, it's evidence-based, it's tested, it works. Um, An exciting thing for us is that um, a year later, we applied uh, in a very competitive process and succeeded in securing a $1.9 million federal grant through SAMHSA to provide this care. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. That's Thank wonderful. you. Prior to that grant, um, more than 90% of the budget to provide these services was, uh, was uh, made available through private philanthropy, which has been really critical to the work we do at Penfield. Uh, I'm guessing like most organizations, like most businesses, uh, relying on 90% of your revenue for any one source is a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. So having the um, support of SAMHSA has been really critical for us moving forward. Wow. Well, again, congratulations. That's wonderful when you get recognized for the wonderful work you're doing. Yeah. And to know actually that what you're doing can be duplicated to yeah. a certain extent, right? You know, in, in different parts of the, of the country. Because Let's face it, I think most parents will deal with kids at some point in time that have temper tantrums or aggression issues or much more um, much more serious issues, sleeping, eating, 
nightmares, you know, what it runs a gamut. It's not surprising that the number of challenging experiences a child has as that increases, so does the risk for long-term negative outcomes in academic achievement, job placement, drug and alcohol abuse, right? Um, why do you believe that trauma-informed therapy that you talked about earlier, why, why do you, you think that that's so important for the children that you serve? You know what? It, it really gets at the core of the issue that we're wrestling with. You know, in 2018, 97.6% um, of the children that we served through the behavior clinic had experienced at least one traumatic event. Um, that number is, is scary in its own right, yeah, but where yeah. it gets even more interesting or even uh, more concerning for the, the families in our care is that 43.7% of those kids had experienced at least five traumatic events. Mm -hmm. You know, you start to look at some of the challenges that families have, um, you know, and, and at Penfield, you know, more than 85% of our families are living at or below the federal poverty level. So there's, there's a lot going on for families on a day-to-day -day basis. And then you incorporate trauma into those, uh, into that as well. It becomes even more challenging for families, you know, one, and, and you know what, um, I don't want to focus too much on the negative because there's so many wonderful stories that have come right, from that. Right. And Give us an example absolutely. You know, where that uh, it's proven to be successful in your experience. So there's a little guy who came to us. His name is Mateo. And Mateo came to us at uh, two years old. So again, you know, it's uh, very, very formative years. Um, having experienced a traumatic event through the separation um, from his biological parents at birth and his placement in his grandmother's care. Um, obviously, that in itself is, is, a, is a challenging thing for a little guy to work through through. Um, as he was working with our staff on a treatment plan, uh, he, ex he was, um, uh, he witnessed a shooting outside his family's home. Mm -hmm. Um, he heard the gunshots. He and his grandmother spent hours hiding in the back room of the house to avoid any stray bullets that might've happened as part of that shooting. Um, he, he witnessed the police responding to the incident while watching from his window. Mm -hmm. Again, Jill, it's, that would make for a rough night for you or I. Right, you know, right. when you talk about a two-year-old experiencing that, it's yeah. it's you're struck by the significance of of the work that our staff does to help to remediate a lot of that. Um, you know, so our staff came in right away and really helped him to process the event and his feelings around what he saw that day. And fortunately, um, Mateo's story is, uh, or his, his story with Penfield is not unique, that um, his symptoms began to decrease significantly. Um, he began talking less frequently about the event. Um, he, his nightmares began to subside. Um, unfortunately, around the 4th of July, with all the different explosions oh, yeah. that are happening then, he had a little bit of a regression, mm. but we were able to come right back in get him right back on track and you know he's he's not showing any symptoms of that right now oh, that's to wonderful. be able to do that is just i mean that's that's what gets our staff out of bed every morning i bet i bet and it's also important for intervention to take place sooner rather than later we talked about that as well and now mateo was only two um i understand penfield also incorporates a whole family approach to care um, you know, why is that so important? Yeah, you know what? So it's it's really looking at how do we get, how do we sustain the work that's happening? And it's working with that child, but it's also equipping mom and dad to say, hey, when we're not here, these are the things you can do. In, in our behavior clinic, a lot of it's play-based. 
You know, it's like we want mom and dad rolling around on the ground with their little ones. And and having those moments where they're reminded how much they care for that child and how they can just through their interest and engagement with them can help them achieve some of the goals that we've outlined. Well, and again, that's caring for the caregiver, which is so important. Um, Funding, real quick. (laughs) What, uh, you know, you're a nonprofit, so no, it's no surprise then that that you're in need of of assistance or help from uh, outside the organization. Um, How is Penfield funded? Yeah, so... Uh, ideally, we would be a three-legged stool where it'd be about a third fee-for-service, a third public, and a, a third philanthropy. Um, it's probably about 25-25, and a little north of 50% comes through the generosity of folks in our community. It's individuals, it's foundations, it's corporations that really understand the work that we're trying to do to help kids in Milwaukee County and have made a significant investment in that care. We are never going to turn away a family for uh, their uh, ability or inability to pay, okay. um, and it's that reliance that we have on on donors many of them i'm sure are listening this today um that allows us to be able to provide this level of service well and it's important that we talk about how can people engage you know from offering their time their talents their resources their treasures um it's important for people to find a, a place that that can um match with their passion you know find an organization that they can really be involved with uh other than the areas that you've already mentioned, how else can, can people help? Yeah. So, you know what? You touched on time, talent, and treasure. You know, we are, are blessed to have over 1,000 volunteers uh, spend time at Penfield Children's Center wow, in a given year. That's wonderful. Uh, thank you. And it can, be, it can be a one-time event with some of their colleagues at work, or it can be, um, you know, a weekly, monthly, semi-annual, whatever works best for them. We really try to modify that to work for the individual. Um, it's it's in addition to that time and talent, the treasure is a big piece of that. I know okay. it's around this time of year folks start to look at my, what they might want to do to to give back to their community as part of the end of the calendar year. And um, we would love folks to consider supporting Penfield and the work that's happening there. Okay. Uh, Jill, as you've got a sense here during our limited time together that I could talk about this work until I'm blue in the face. And I promise I won't do that today. <laughs> but um, you know what? I think the story really tells itself when you're able to see it firsthand. So I would I would strongly consider anyone who is uh, intrigued or even just interested in learning a little bit more to give us a call at Penfield and uh, let's figure out a time to get you in and see it for yourself. That's wonderful. Can you share what the number is then? Absolutely. Uh, The number to reach us at Penfield is 414-344-7676. You can find us online at Penfield Children, P-E-N-F-I-E-L-D-C-H-I-L-D-R-E-N.org. Or you can look at us at Facebook as well. Uh, Penfield Children on Facebook, Penfield Children on Twitter. We're we're nearly you're there, everywhere. You're easy to find. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Jason. I appreciate you being here today. Thank you for all you do to help uh, children and their families. Jill, thanks for the opportunity. You're welcome. Another example of Penfield collaborating with uh, other nonprofits is when a child comes into their care that is experiencing some kind of hearing loss. So stay tuned to hear how Penfield's therapists and service coordinators work hand-in-hand with an organization called Hear Wisconsin. That's H-E-A-R, Hear Wisconsin, to ensure families with uh, children children living with hearing loss, that they receive the best care possible. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. 
My next guests are Jill Van Calster, President and CEO of Here Wisconsin, and Laura Corcoran, the Director of Therapy Services at Here Wisconsin. Welcome to the show today, Jill and Laura. Thank you. Thank so you. So glad to be here. We're happy to have you here and learn all about Here Wisconsin, and that's H E A R Wisconsin, not H E R E. Make sure people understand <laughs> that. Yes. Um, statistics show that nearly three in every one thousand children in the United States are born with a detectable level of hearing loss in one or both ears. Not kids that develop hearing loss after an accident or perhaps after years of loud music blaring in their ears. If you have a teenager, you get that reference, right? But some babies are born with minor or significant hearing loss. It's great that you collaborate with Penfield, who we had on in the first uh, two segments, to offer services that are so desperately needed. But tell us about Here Wisconsin and what makes it so special and why are you so passionate about the work you do? Well, thank you, Jill. I am really excited to answer that question. But on behalf of Laura and myself and everybody back at uh, here, Wisconsin, I just want to thank you, uh, the Ellen Becker Investment Group and Ellen Becker for having us here today. You're um, welcome. We obviously think our organization is special and um, want to share that with all of your listeners. So hearing loss affects everyone, um, whether you're young or old. Imagine having a baby who's born with hearing loss. Or imagine that you lose your hearing later in life through a virus or a work injury or just through the natural aging process. I think what makes here Wisconsin so special is that we are Wisconsin's best kept secret. We have been in the community for 93 years, so coming up on 100 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and nobody knows that we're there. Every time we meet with people, they're like, oh, I had no idea that here Wisconsin exists. So They will now. They will. That's, what, that's our hope. <laughs> and we literally are the state's most comprehensive organization serving the deaf and hard of hearing community. So not only the breadth of the services that we provide, but our reach. So we serve the entire state, even though we are located in West Dallas. Okay. Um, we also know that being born deaf or experiencing hearing loss later in life can be really traumatic and scary and um, frightening for families who are experiencing that. And what I have found is that our team really focuses on hope. Mm. You know, letting parents know there's help on the way. We are here to help you. Letting older individuals who are experiencing hearing loss, which can be so traumatic because they hadn't had hearing loss their entire life and are experiencing it later in life. So I know that Laura will speak a little bit to that as well, but hope is is sort of at the heart of our mission, and we mm-hmm. want to make sure that people know that there are services there um, to uh, help. Yeah, I love that. you got to have hope. You do. Without you do. hope, where do you, you go do. from? You know, where do you go? You so. do. I think the other piece to add to that is um, our staff is just stellar, and one thing that really makes us unique is that our staff reflects the clientele that we serve. So uh, about 33% of our staff, of our employees, would identify themselves as deaf or hard of hearing. We have oh, staff members okay. that uh, were born with hearing loss or acquired a hearing loss later in life that use spoken language or sign language or a combination of those approaches. And that's actually true of our board of directors as well. So 
I think, as Joe mentioned, that's that's the thing about hearing loss is that it can impact anybody and it's invisible. It's this invisible condition. So even if you don't have someone in your immediate family, you likely know someone in your circles, in your workplace Mm -hmm. that has a hearing loss. And here, Wisconsin is the place that can provide a really wide range of comprehensive services for all of those individuals. It is literally all we do. Okay. Well, so how did you come to the organization? Uh, I started at the organization while I was finishing my master's degree in speech pathology. I went to Marquette for their bilingual program. Okay. And I was a Spanish interpreter at the organization in grad school. And then when I graduated, they made a position for me as a bilingual speech language pathologist. At the time, I knew almost nothing about hearing loss. And our early intervention team is amazing. They are experts in what they do. And 10 years ago, they started training me and I've been there for over 10 years. So, um, you know, they offered me opportunities to really delve in and specialize. I got a certification in auditory verbal therapy. I got all of this support to be able to learn American Sign Language to a good degree of proficiency so that we can provide those specialized services that this community needs. Wonderful. Well, uh, we talked with Jason from Penfield about the importance of early detection and intervention. Uh, I understand that the Kellogg Child and Family Program and Early Intervention Services are really at the heart of here Wisconsin's mission. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a parent of a child Mm -hmm. who was just identified with a hearing loss, where do I even begin? Yeah, I mean, I think Jill said it perfectly. We're really in the The other Jill. The other Jill. The other Jill. (laughs) Jill My two lovely Jills. Um, Here Wisconsin Jill mentioned that we're sort of in the hope business and, and That's what I would want a family to hear is that in today's day and age, any child, every child who is identified with a hearing difference or a hearing loss really has the full potential to be thriving, successful members in their communities and in their families. That being said, 90% of hearing of babies who are identified with a hearing loss at birth are born to hearing parents. So parents with hearing within normal limits. So like we said before, right, many, many people have never met another person with hearing loss or not known that they met someone with a hearing loss. And for our families, sometimes these parents, the first person they meet with a hearing loss Mm. is their baby. Yeah. And they feel lost. They feel clueless. They don't feel like they're the experts in this. And so what I want parents to hear is that, yes, this is an unknown, but it's not unknown to us. Mm-hmm. We are here for you. And and the first question a lot of parents have is, how how is my child going to communicate? What are the opportunities for my child now knowing this diagnosis? Yeah. Um, and, and you're providing hope. Which absolutely. We are. You're, as you and said, you're in the hope business. How wonderful is that? I think so. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> we want families to know that it's it's never too early. Sometimes I get calls from parents who say, like, you know, my baby's six weeks old. Can I start? And we say, yes, please yes. start. Mm. Um, you know, we consider hearing loss to be a neurodevelopmental emergency. emergency. And the earlier we can start, we start as young as four and six weeks. Okay. Um, like Jill said, we were based in southeastern Wisconsin, but we also have a teletherapy program available. So oh, if you okay. don't have access to early intervention services like we have from Penfield in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. you can access our services through web cameras, web conferencing software, even farther out in the more rural areas of Wisconsin. Okay. So we want parents to know that we will give them the info they need so that they can help 
get their kid on the road to success. Yeah. Well, you talk about the critical importance of specialized services. Can you elaborate on that, Laura? Yeah. So um, I get a little animated when I talk about this, but our early intervention team, we feel like we are baby brain fanatics. I know a lot of weird baby brain facts. So here we go. Um, Babies, when they're born, they are constantly taking statistics through their senses, their five senses, right? Hearing is one of those senses. And so when we have a baby who is identified with a hearing loss, we see that as a doorway to the brain issue. Okay. The brain needs as much information as it can so it can start to organize itself and learn language. And when there is a ear doorway problem, getting that information up to the brain, we know that that family needs support to step in to make sure that that baby's brain can organize itself as best it can to be able to learn language. So we know that there are things like amplification, hearing aids, cochlear implants. There are things like specialized services from people who know what they are doing. We work with babies with implants and hearing aids and using sign language all day, every day. And we can help bust down that obstacle to your brain, get through so that your baby can really start to learn language, whether that's spoken language or sign language or both, as quickly and efficiently as possible so that that brain is just ready to learn and it's ready to go. I saw on uh, Facebook, and some of you may have seen that. Okay, (laughs) you're smiling. I just, there's a little baby. Mm -hmm. The camera's focused on the little Mm -hmm. baby, and he or she, I can't recall, Mm -hmm. uh, hears mama's voice for the first First time. time. And it just brings you to tears. I mean, you're like, oh, my goodness. You just see the baby smiling and responding to mama. Now I can imagine mom is just a boatload of tears. But, I mean, to be a part of that is is wonderful. Absolutely. You know, we talked earlier about the partnership here Wisconsin has with Penfield to offer services to the little ones, which we're talking about, who come into their facility. But approximately 15% of American adults, that's 37.5 million, mm-hmm. age 18 and over, report some kind of problem with their hearing. So stay tuned to learn how here Wisconsin works with older children and adults with various forms of hearing loss. We'll be right back after the break. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and Jill Van Kalster, President and CEO of Here Wisconsin, and Laura Corcoran. Uh, are here today from here, Wisconsin. Uh, They're joining me in the studio today. So approximately 15% of American adults, that's about 37.5 million, age 18 and over, are having some kind of difficulty with hearing. So tell us about how hearing loss impacts those populations. Sure. Well, of that statistic that you gave and that total number, about 500,000 people in the state of Wisconsin alone have hearing loss. So if you take that number, 
um, you can imagine that we are serving a lot more of the population than just the little ones that Laura talked about. Right. So we have, um, at our West Dallas facility, we have an audiology clinic. So we have a state-of-the-art audiology clinic and a doctor of audiology on staff who helps anyone with hearing loss. So she will do hearing evaluations, hearing tests, helps with tinnitus, which is ringing of the ears that lots of us have. Okay. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. We recently had a, a gentleman um, come to our clinic, had been hearing his whole life, um, working man, family man, and told us the story about um, him and his wife taking their granddaughters uh, out. He said we were in the car, all four of us in the car, we're going somewhere, a lot of chatter and excitement as you can imagine, and he said we get home and my wife looks at me and says, why were you ignoring the girls? And he said, well, I wasn't ignoring them. And she said, well, you were. They were telling you about camp and what they were doing and the food that they were eating. And he, you know, obviously was distraught and, and said, I had no idea. I wasn't ignoring them. I couldn't hear them. Mm. And at that moment, he knew he had hearing loss and came into our clinic and sure enough, had pretty profound hearing loss. But I think it's really difficult for those of us who aren't deaf um, to know you know, that you're gradually losing your hearing and, and how devastating that can be. Yeah. What about selective hearing? Does that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I anybody raise their hand? That. I was just going to say, anybody experience selective hearing? Anyone? Anyone? I think many couples would say that they, <laughs> they have, have experienced that. that. Yes. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Say. Um, well, there's a lot of different viewpoints apparently about uh, sign language that you talked about before, mm-hmm. Laura, and, and hearing technology like hearing aids or cochlear implants. How does Hear Wisconsin staff help families navigate these choices? Yeah, so there's a lot of information. Like you, you mentioned those um, Facebook videos that show those babies when they're first wearing their hearing aids or their cochlear implants. Like there's a lot of different information out there, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, I think oftentimes, families aren't getting very balanced information. Okay. They, they you know, the internet is everyone can WebMD something, right? Okay, right. so... We feel very passionately about families getting accurate, fact-based, objective information from us about what availability there is in communication modality choices, like sign language, like listening and spoken language, like using both of those approaches at the same time. So every family that comes to our organization for services goes through a very comprehensive educational session with our staff to learn about all of those choices. Every choice can be successful. We have families that use all of those options and their children are meeting their milestones and they those families feel like they are on a true path to success. What I want families to know and, and the public to know is that our staff isn't a decision maker. So we really feel like these families are are driving the bus towards their goals, right? Okay. We're just kind of here to help them make maps and get the information that they need so they can make an informed choice about, hey, this is what we're working towards and this is why. And we know that that other family that we met at your great uh, winter party is using that approach and that seems to really be working for them. And I know that that was an option for me. I didn't need it at this time, but it's good to know that that was there. Yeah, and I, then can you connect to those families so they can Absolutely. have like a peer-to-peer 
support or accountability or something like that? Absolutely. And I think one of the most heartwarming parts of my job is seeing families connect to other families and sort of mentor each other and and the relationships that can grow as a as a part of those those families meeting up that's a really magic moment we love connecting families yeah you have something called a voucher program what's that about absolutely we do this is an exciting program in the state of wisconsin for wisconsin residents um it's actually called the tep program which stands for telecommunications equipment purchase program so this is a program that provides through our store or other stores across the um, state but we have an assisted listening device store so it has all kinds of technology equipment for people who are deaf or hard of hearing we have caption phones we have phones that will slow down a live voice so like old school answering machines used to slow down if a doctor was talking really fast and he would call you and he couldn't get it all (laughs) Um, we have phones now that will slow down a live voice but this voucher program in the state of Wisconsin gives free dollars for purchase of this equipment to anyone who is deaf hard of hearing has a speech or mobility impairment so you can get up to six thousand dollars in free equipment through the voucher program um, to help you communicate because we said earlier you know one of our mission statements is to help people facilitate communication Um, This would be a really weird conversation if Laura and I were speaking French to you and you didn't understand French. Oh, I took two years in high school. So you would have understood I know maybe a smidgen, just a smidgen. Well, I know none, so I would have been lost. (laughs) But we really want folks to know about this voucher program because it does impact their daily living and it does impact their quality of life. And their access to the community. Yes. I mean, that's just such a huge piece. So you can get an iPad, you can get smartphones, you can get the captioning phones. All of these will be free or very low cost to Wisconsin residents. Oh, that's and that, big. That's it's really the second huge. best huge, kept yeah. secret. We said here Wisconsin is the state's best kept secret. This is literally the second best kept secret in the state of Wisconsin. And we really want people to know that we have the team there who is ready and poised and ready to help them with with um, getting the specialized equipment. They'll meet with you one-on-one and yep. explain the whole process, let you try out the equipment. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, what other services? You know, you talk about all these great things. You know, we, we never have enough time to go into everything. We're trying to plant a seed. But, um, <laughs> you know, just so people know Absolutely. that it exists and they can go to your website and, and whatnot. But, you know, do you offer sign language interpreta- interpreting services? Or, Absolutely. You know, what other classes or services do you provide? Yep. Not only do we offer a American Sign Language classes for anyone in the community who wants to learn basic sign language. We have beginner classes, we have intermediate classes, but we also have a statewide 24-7 business of on-staff American Sign Language interpreters. So I'm sure that all of us can kind of think in our heads about what an interpreter does. I've seen them at Summerfest during musical um, presentations, but Our sign language interpreters go to medical appointments. They go to job hirings. They go to job terminations. Oh, very Um, nice. One of our interpreters just got called out at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, hence the 24-7 business. But there was a 16-year-old who was involved in a car accident. The 16-year-old was not deaf, but both of her parents were. Oh. 
So the hospital could not treat her until they got parents there who they could communicate, until parents got there and we got an interpreter there who could help facilitate that conversation. Don't even think about those things. You don't. You just really don't think about those kinds of situations. They're there for births. They administer last Last rites. I mean, interpreting for the clergy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, again, lots of things to uh, that you guys offer. We're not going to be able to get into everything. So who should people reach out to? Phone numbers? Do you have you know, contact information? Absolutely. So the best way that we feel to, to reach out to us is to stop and visit us. Oh, okay. um, we have our facility on um, 102nd in between National and Cleveland Avenue in West Dallas. That's where our store is. It's very much like a mini Best Buy. Ah, so you can come okay. in and view the equipment. You can see audiology. You can talk with our staff. We talk about walk-in, welcome walk-ins all the time, so there's no appointment necessary, and we're there Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn or at our company website, which is H-E-A-R-W-I.org, or you can call us at 414-604-2200 or contact us via video phone um, at 414-395-2117. Wow. Well... Thank you both for being here. Oh, Laura thank you, and you and for having so Jill, much. We are so my, my counterpart yes. of the other Jill. <laughs> we're very grateful for we this are. opportunity. We and we were so uh, I'm so happy to be able to share information. Like you said, one of the best kept secrets here. It's it's wonderful to share that. Thank you. Um, so again, thank you for being here, Jill Van Calster, President and CEO of Here Wisconsin, and Laura Corcoran, Director of Therapy Services at Here Wisconsin. I'd also like to thank Jason Perry, who is the VP of Development and Communications of Penfield Children's Center. Thank you for all you do to help children and families with some very special needs that they may have, including hearing impairment, so they can all have more fulfilled lives, right? Thank you for sharing your mission and your passion. Thank you, Jill. Thank you. You're welcome. If you would like further information about who we talked to today, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262 691-3200. There's a number of different ways you can access our outreach show. You can, of course, listen live on News Talk Radio, WISN, AM 1130 on Sunday mornings at 10. You can tune in via the iHeartRadio app, or you can just go to iHeartRadio.com. And if you miss the broadcast on Sunday, you can go to our website at ellenbecker.com to see all past shows, or you can now listen on demand on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So join us next Sunday morning to learn more about some great people and nonprofit organizations that are doing great things in our community. If the organization or the people or the stories that they shared resonate with you, reach out and see how you might be able to help them in some way. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a wonderful Sunday.